This morning we're going to be in the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 21 is where we're going to be this morning. The title of the message this morning is God of Process. God of Process. Genesis chapter 21 is where we're going to be. While we're turning there, I just want to uh, give you also uh, a, another kind of mini-announcement. Uh, next week is the end of our fast, and so uh, next week we're going to be having our launch Sunday. So if you're here last year, our launch Sunday talked about Love the House, and this year we have, we'll have a new theme for 2023. And so it's going to be different, it's going to be new, and so that'll all come uh, on launch Sunday next week. And so launch Sunday is just a time for us to celebrate, one, what God has done the past year, but also look ahead at this year of what we believe the Lord is leading us and where we believe God is, is leading us as a church. And so it's really, really great. Our vision uh, always stays the same, right? We exist to awaken, revive, redeem the city of Cleveland and its people, right? That's the vision of Emmanuel. We want to see God rock the world of every single person in Cleveland. That's our heart. That's what we want to see in the greater Cleveland area, right? And, uh, and so how we do that is launch Sunday, right? Those, those every year, that theme for the year um, is one step closer to seeing that become a reality. So I'd encourage you, be here next Sunday for that. Genesis chapter 21, we'll be starting in verse 1. If you would stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. Genesis chapter 21, starting in verse 1, the word Lord says this, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore. When his son was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Heavenly Father, Thank you for today. God, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. God, thank you that you're so good to us. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just be moving today in this message. Lord, that it would not be my words spoken, but yours spoken through me. That those who would have an ear, let them hear the declaration of your word today. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I know we're in a fast, but just... Humor me for a moment. Does anybody like barbecue? Yeah, everybody's like, I'm thinking about it right now. Like, oh man, I don't want to cause anybody to stumble, all right? We like, barbecue is like one of those things that is an incredible thing to go in and to eat and just the whole, I love, I have a pellet smoker, I've got a grill, I enjoy outdoor cooking, it's great, it's wonderful. And the thing is though, is that it's not something that happens immediately. You can't just pop a brisket in the microwave and it's done. Right? No, that, that would be horrible. It would come out like pot roast. Like that's, it, it wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be tender. It, it has time. There, there's a process that, that happens whenever you barbecue, and especially when you're smoking meat, it, 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 there's a process that happens. For a good brisket, you need at least 10 to 12 hours to cook it. It's crazy how, how much time it takes, and that's not even considering the prep time that you take the day before and, and the rest time that you take after you cook it. And so it's probably more like 18 to 24 hours total to make a really good brisket. 
Right? Ribs take a while. Pulled pork takes a while. Anytime you go to a barbecue place, understand that these people have been up since like 2 a.m. making this stuff so that you could have delicious barbecue. But there's a process involved in it. Just like baking a cake, right? You put a cake in an oven, or put a cake in an oven versus a cake in a microwave. Cake wouldn't turn real well in the microwave, right? There's a process to everything. And in order to get that delicious, wonderful final product, you have, it takes time. It's a process to get there. And oftentimes, I find that God works in the same way. God works in the process. God doesn't just give us exactly everything all at once. But there's a process by which God works. We see that in this passage, there is the, the final culmination of a process that has taken 25 years. Abraham was given this promise in Genesis chapter 12, where it says this, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be blessed. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went and as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him and Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. This is the, the moment, this is an encounter. Abraham has an encounter with God and God tells him, Get up and go. Follow where I'm going to take you. And, and I'm going to give you offspring. I'm going to give you, give you a nation. Your, your seed will, will be like, and he just talks about it, the stars in the sky or the grains of sand on the beach. They'll be vast and great. Now Abraham was 75 in that passage. And the passage we read today, this morning earlier, was Abraham was, Abraham was 100. And finally, the culmination of the promise of God was 25 years later. There was a process that happened. There was something that happened. It was 25 years later the promise is fulfilled. Now, I wish that I could say that Abraham and Sarah, they, they waited for that promise. They waited all 25 years, that they were, they were patient. They, they sat around and they were just praying and waiting for God to fulfill that promise of what God wanted to do. All of those things. I wish I could say that, but unfortunately, that didn't happen. Sarah, she got a little bit, she, she started to meddle. She started to get a little bit impatient. And we see that there was another offspring of Abraham called Ishmael. Genesis chapter 16. And this, again, whenever you see this, it'll say Sarai is what it says, but, and Abram. That's Sarah and Abraham. This is before their names are changed. God changes both of their names. Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 2. Now Sarai, who is Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. So this is 10 years. Okay, It says later in that passage, it's 10 years after the promise. So about halfway, a little, a little before halfway through this whole process 
of them having the fulfillment of God's promise. Sarah says, I'm going to take this promise into my own hands. I know what God said, but, but I'm going to speed up this process a little bit because I, I don't, I, I'm done waiting. I want to see God move. I don't, I don't necessarily trust God in this process. I'm, I'm done waiting for this, and so I'm going to do this myself. And she had a servant named Hagar. And so Sarah rushes this, and, and, and Abraham ends up sleeping with Hagar. She conceives a child, and and all of a sudden, Sarah's not too happy about Hagar conceiving a child and, and her not being able to. And so she sends them away, sends her away, and, and, and then she ends up coming back. But instead of doing what Sarah thought would happen, that the offspring of Abraham would be a blessing, this offspring would have become a curse. We see it in Genesis 16, 11 through 12. This is the angel of the Lord speaking to Hagar. He says, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be, like a, he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. Now think about that for a moment. Ishmael... This individual is, is now said to be against all of his brothers. Said not to be a blessing. Isaac, or the offspring of Abraham and Sarah, was God promised them that, that, that their offspring would be blessings to the world. And yet Ishmael is the exact opposite of that. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. That doesn't sound much like a blessing. That sounds more like a curse. In fact, Genesis chapter 21, a little after the, our focused passage this morning, it talks about Ishmael and Hagar. And, and at that time, Ishmael would have been 24, 25, or would have been 15, maybe 14 years old. And so in Genesis chapter 21, verses 9 through 10, it says, But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham was mocking him. This is Ishmael mocking Isaac. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son. And so here again, we have this understanding that, that Ishmael is the, the rushed process of God is a curse and not a blessing. We see that, that the point of, of this entire, this whole story, one of the main points of this entire narrative isn't just that, that Abraham has Isaac and Isaac is a fulfillment of the promise, but also for us to wait and allow God to have a process within us so that way we'll be blessed and not cursed. The fact is, is that Sarah, again, she grew impatient and frustrated with God and so she decided to take it into her own hands and it ended up cursing them and not blessing them so often we read scripture as, as though everything is happening quickly a lot of a lot of the scriptural narrative is episodic meaning that that it happens like like one two three like it feels like you could read the book of acts and in our minds we could think that the book of acts happens in a month when the reality is, it, it, it doesn't at all. It's many, many years, in fact, 
the book of Acts happens. But because it's narrative and because there's only episodes that we see, we don't see the rest of the process. But in reality, the reality of Scripture is, is that there is always a process that God takes his people through. God is a God of process. You see this with King David. You know, King David, he was... He waited 15 years. He was anointed as as a shepherd boy by the prophet Samuel to become king of Israel and unite Israel. And King David, it didn't happen like that. It was 15 years after he was anointed that he actually, around 15 years after he was anointed that he then came to be on the throne. And, and by the way, during that process of 15 years, it all, wasn't all hunky-dory and he was waiting around. He was running for his life from the king that went before him because that king wanted him dead. But he trusts the process. He was hunted by the very throne that he was anointed for. It took him about 15 years to gain that throne. Paul was a believer for about 11 years before his first missionary journey. Did you know that? Did you know that when Paul was saved, he he went to Damascus, and he was in Damascus for three years, where the Lord was was pouring into him, and he was learning from from the Lord, and the Holy Spirit was teaching him all these things? He says it in in Galatians chapter 1. You can read it there. But he talks about how he was in Damascus and in in Arabia for three years. And then after that, he goes to Jerusalem. And and he's in Jerusalem for a little bit. And he causes so much commotion in Jerusalem that the the apostles are like, the other apostles are like, hey, you need to to just go away. Like, go home. Like, you're causing trouble for everybody here. And so he sends them home to Tarsus, and, and he's in Tarsus for four to five more years. And he's, he's preaching the gospel, and he's, and he's there, and he's, he's preaching in the synagogues, Jesus, and he's talking to everyone. And then all of a sudden, Barnabas, who had known him whenever he was in Jerusalem, decides, I need to go get Paul and bring him to Antioch because God was moving in an incredible, incredibly powerful way in the Gentile city of Antioch. And so Barnabas goes, and he, he gets Paul, and then they go back to Antioch, and they're in Antioch for one to three more years. And then in Acts chapter 13, finally, during a prayer meeting, the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Saul and Barnabas for a missionary journey. This was that, that moment, this is that time, but all of that was 11 years, maybe even more. It's crazy to think that that's the process that Paul went through. So many times we think that, well, Paul immediately, he was, he just went straight into it. He just went and established the church in Ephesus and in Galatia and in Colossae and in every single place. He he was establishing churches and preaching, but there was 11 years that it took him to get to that point. We see even Jesus didn't just start his, why why didn't he start his ministry when he was 12 years old teaching in the synagogue? Because his time wasn't there yet. It took him, he was 30 by the, when he finally started the ministry on earth. He could have done it any time. He was God. He could have done it any time. And yet, 
There was a process. There was a waiting. There was a moment. And how often do we, as believers, skip the process in order to get the breakthrough? How often do we cheat ourselves from a blessing and instead curse ourselves because we don't want the process? The question I have for us this morning is, will you trust the process? Everyone wants the breakthrough, but nobody wants the process. Everybody wants to be second in command of Egypt, but nobody wants to go through what Joseph went through. Everybody wants to be king like David, but nobody wants to be hunted and hide out in caves. Everyone wants to be the greatest missionary that we know like Paul, but nobody wants to just be pushed aside and wait in a corner for three years, just preaching the gospel in our community for a little bit. See, we want the breakthrough. We want God to do a mighty work, and yet we don't want the process. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that the breakthrough only comes through the process. We cannot have the breakthrough that we're looking for. We cannot have the full blessing of the Lord that we're looking for, that we're praying for, unless we're willing to go through the process. How often do we try to take the process into our own hands? How often do we want to sit there like Sarah and say, you know what, I, I, want, I want to do this. I'm going to speed this, this stuff along a little bit. How often do we force a conversation with a Jesus when there the process hasn't happened where their hearts are soft enough? How often do we force a conversation with another individual when it actually, and it actually backfires on us and does more harm than good. How often do we spend that money? Do we buy that thing? Do we, how often do we do those things knowing and hoping that it'll be a blessing only to see that it's actually a curse in the end? How often do we rush the healing process? How often do we, do we experience trauma or, or something and, and we just want to put our heads down and run right through it but not let the Holy Spirit pour himself out upon our hearts in order to heal our hearts fully? How, how often do we just want to put a band-aid over our hurts, over our pain, instead of letting the Holy Spirit move and Jesus heal? There's a process to be full. There's a process. How often do we want the anointing of great revivalists and preachers and yet not want the process of the breaking that it takes in order to have that. The anointing comes with a price. And that price is, is constant heartbreak and hurt and breaking of ourselves to be remade in the image that God wants us to be made in. But how often do we just want the anointing? How often do we seize that and claim that? How often do we claim the power and, 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 and claim the fire, but really at the same time have no idea how to wield it? And so instead of it actually burning warm and, and wonderful, like, like in, a, in, a, in a fireplace on a hearth in a home, it actually is a wildfire that burns everything and destroys it all. How often do we rush that process? How often do we 
get that position before it's the right time? Do we, is our ambition to, to get into this power, to do this thing, to, to place ourselves in this area, and yet at the same time, we are not fully prepared for what God has for us in that moment. And so it ends up not being a blessing like we want it to be, or not us being the blessing in that position like we want it to be, but it ends up becoming a curse. We end up coming home beat down every single day and hurt and broken. Not in a good way. Not in a way where we're just like, Holy Spirit, heal me, and the next day we're up and going again. How often do we sit there and say, you know what, I'm just so lonely. I just, I'm just going to marry this person just because they're there. How often do we rush the companionship of individuals? Instead of us sitting there and saying, you know what, Lord, I'll wait for the one you're going to send me. Not only is the process about us, and, and hear me, if we do these things and we rust the process, it ends up becoming a curse, but it doesn't just curse us, it curses other people as well. Not only is the process about us, it's about others too. You see, in the process, the Lord can soften hearts. In the process, as you're praying through and praying for that, that family member, as much as you want to have that relationship, as much as you want to, to be able to lead that family member back to the Lord or, or to the Lord for the first time, as much as you may want that, the process is just wait for a moment and let their hearts be softened. How many conversations must you have in order for an individual to come to know the Lord? Well, if their hearts are soft enough and they're ready, it's only one, right? So the process isn't just for us, it's for everybody else. The Lord doesn't just prepare us, he also prepares others for us. So again, the question is, is will you trust the process? Maureen, you can come. I want us this morning just simply to make a commitment to sit there and say, Lord, I'm going to trust the process however long it may be, however painful it may be, however much it hurts, however lonely it will be, whatever that looks like, Lord, I'm going to trust the process. Why? Because we would rather go through the process of hurt and remaking and shaving off and all of those things. We'd rather go through that stuff and be blessed than it and be cursed. I'll end just with a few stories, just a couple. Humor me. I came here seven years ago. Crazy to think. Y'all have put up with me for seven years. I came in as a youth pastor and I was a single guy. I didn't really care. I was like, well, it is what it is, and here I am. And I would pray, and, and there was a moment where I just became, I was like, you know what, Lord? Paul says that it's better to be single, so I'm good. You know, don't even send anybody.
And it was in those moments and in that, that process, you know, that I remember when I was going through my ordination interviews and different things, I, I just began to think and I just began to pray and the Lord just, put, again, just, and I've said this before, but the Lord just put on my heart such a burden for greater Cleveland, for this county, for this city. I, I mean, I, I just, I've always wanted to be called to a city. And I said, Lord, whatever, whichever city it is, no matter how ugly, no matter how beautiful, I want to go there. And it's just been Cleveland over and over and over and over again. And it's crazy because it's Cleveland, right? But the Lord wants to do something great in Cleveland. And so I, I would come here and I know that I'm supposed to be here. And, and I just began to, through that ordination process, I just really felt this tug of the Lord just saying, you know, you're going to need a helpmate if you're gonna do what I've called you to do. And I was like, all right, Lord, like, well, if I'm gonna need it, you're gonna provide it, so it is what it is. And I remember meeting Carly for the first time and I stuck my foot in my mouth. <laughs> Just wasn't good for like six months. She didn't like me at all. And I remember when we first started dating and walking all the way through these, you know, the process of courtship and all of this stuff. And, and I remember telling her on our first date, this is how serious I was about Cleveland. I said, I'm called to Cleveland. You have to be okay with that. Otherwise, this isn't going to work. And she's like, I can see you going to Cleveland. I was like, Great. I also told her as we continued to date, I said, you know, I, I don't ever plan on breaking up with you, just so you're aware. The blessing that Carly is to me. There's a process. All of the anger and the bitterness that I had held from my past. The unforgiveness for myself, for my past sins. The grace that I wasn't able to show, but I can now. All of that was the process of me being healed from all those things, of me being single for the four, first four years I was here. Because I, I had to go through that in order for me to, in order for the Lord to prepare my heart for, for me to be ready to have a wife. And in the same way, that in order for me to truly appreciate the blessing that Carly is for me, I had to go through that process. But if I had rushed it and just said, you know what, this girl's kind of cute, it would have been a curse. And I'll close with this. Been here for seven years. Transitioned as the lead pastor here for a little over a year. 
August 1st of 2021, I was voted in here. And I remember the six months of the interim. We're probably just being honest with you. I've, I've shared this before, but just being honest, they were the hardest months probably of my life. I hated every moment of it. Because I felt, oh, one, you, you just don't even know. Like as a, as a staff pastor, we have the most to lose. You have the most to lose as a staff pastor during a lead pastor transition. Carly and I lived in the If there was another lead pastor that came in and said, I don't want you, we're homeless at that point as well as out of a job. And so in that process, it's how am I going to provide for my family? How am I going to figure this out if, if this doesn't go the way that, that I, I want it to go or, or, Lord, that you've called me to go? I, I believe that I'm called to Cleveland. I don't know what that looks like. And God, if, it's, it, if it is... If it is for me to be the lead pastor of this church, then I just want to be in your will, whatever that looks like, and you'll provide it. But about like, I, I just felt in my heart during the beginning of the transition process and the interim process, I felt like I was supposed to lead this church. And, and I was like, okay, come, like, can we speed it up a little bit, God? Like, come on, let's, let's. And yet during those six months, there were things in my heart that God needed to work on. There were things in my heart that God needed to work on me. That I needed to, there, there were some things that needed to be cut out. The Holy Spirit needed to do some heart surgery on me. And it all happens in the process in God's timing. And, and yes, it was some of the hardest times I've ever gone through personally. And I don't re recommend getting married and then becoming a lead pastor in the first year of marriage. Because that's tough too. But the Lord has been so gracious in that process. And you may think otherwise, but I'm so honored and blessed to be serving here. I believe that the Lord has something great for Emmanuel. But we must be willing to trust the process. As much as we want our families to be restored, we must be willing to trust the process. As much as we may want that position, as much as we may want to chase our calling full in, all steam ahead, we have to trust the process. Will you do that? I say those things, I, I give those stories just as, not to sit there and be like, look at me, look at how great Pastor Galen is. But in hopes that it would, it would help us to grow our faith and build our faith that hopefully I can say, don't do what I did. Don't be bitter and angry because of the process that you're in, but instead see it as an opportunity for growth and see it as an opportunity for you to be made new and constantly being made pure and sanctified, for you, you to become more and more holy just 
the Holy Spirit work. Let God work on your life. Let God work on that person. Whatever that looks like, just trust the process and the blessing will come. I want all of us in this place to feel the blessing of God and not the curse of going our own way. So I just want to take a few moments and it snow's really coming down outside right now. And so we may get snowed in. We're just going to pray until tonight. And that's what it's going to be. <laughs> trust the process. Will you trust the process to see your family members? Will you trust the process? to fully be in where God has called you to be? Will you trust the process that God will provide every single thing you need? Will you trust the process? Let's commit this morning to do that. Let's pray.